0: All right, everybody, welcome on in Bleeding Claret and Cobalt pre-Thanksgiving edition. Trey Fitzgerald, Ryan Hale here with you. Today's interview, Tom Hackett from KSL Sports. Tom uh, was one of the beat writers covering the team this year, traveled to Austin for the playoff game, and we kind of go almost position by position or line by line uh, on the field getting Tom's thoughts on who succeeded and why, who needs to improve, and how, uh, both looking back at 2022, looking ahead to 2023, and we mix in some World Cup talk, some uh, dog ownership talk, some holiday travel talk, and a bunch of other fun stuff here. I think you'll enjoy uh, hearing Tom's thoughts on Sergio Cordova's prospects, Uh, Jefferson Savarino's uh, ability to improve, Justin Glad, Andrew Brody, Zach McMath, Brian Ojeda, Brian Oviedo, uh, Diego Luna. The list goes on and on and on, but uh, this is a fun episode. You'll hear a lot more from Tom Hackett, KSL Sports, coming up on the other side right here on Bleeding. Claret and Cobalt brought to you by One Wire Fiber. Hey guys, just a big shout out to our friend Adam Sessions and One Wire Fiber. We would not be able to bring you bleeding Claret and Cobalt every week, every month without their great support. So you wouldn't want all your RSL news information coming from some distant out of state people that don't care about this community. So why would you rely on your voice, video, text for business coming from one of these big companies that literally don't care about you. If you don't own a business, but your friends do, your family does, you got to reach out to these guys because the level of customer service, of support, attention to detail from OneWire Fiber is immense. And we all know how fast the world is moving these days. If our phones, our computers, if our connectivity is not functioning properly, you just feel completely stuck in the water. And Adam and OneWire Fiber, they will figure it all out for you so you don't have to. The number one, W-I-R-E dot C-O, One Wire Fiber, they will take care of you. They care about this community. They care about this club. and They care about you. All right, here we are. Trey Fitzgerald, Ryan Hale on a uh, – it's about a week before Thanksgiving – and before we get to the Tom Hackett interview, Ryan, uh, MLS and Apple came out a little earlier today with their uh, pricing for their subscription game package in 2023, uh, which is I think 99 for the year, 79 if you already have uh, the Apple Plus service to watch. Ted Lasso or The Morning Show or whatever else they have on there. Um, 79 a year is the same that MLS Live used to cost. Um, I think the one of the maybe undercovered aspects of the Apple TV deal is that I believe all the MLS Next Pro and a bunch of Academy games are going to be on this service as well as, obviously, uh, Major League Soccer games. But there's also a monthly uh, – uh subscription fee if you'd rather do that instead of uh annual but uh just what are your thoughts on 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 this apple announcement today
1: well it's a lot of then then those numbers were bigger than i was hoping they would be yeah. um it does make sense that i was just talking about in the past like what we'd had to pay to get those if you wanted to yeah. do that um i was hoping that like it would be a little more reasonable because or a little bit more just at a lower price point, just to be, make sure that everybody had a chance to see it because that's the one thing we're taking away the chance for us to have a local broadcast over the air free every week, you know, with Dunny and DJ. That's, That's out the window because of this. I do think that that's a value that I think will, as a fan, you, that's, it works. I do think there's another another aspect of that. I think that's that's important. Knows that season ticket holders get that for free. Right. That is correct. So it's
0: so, a perk of being a, a season ticket which, holder. You
1: know, somebody who doesn't, you know, has to like budget out you know season tickets yeah. if I'm going to get those. Um, save a hundred bucks, and I mean, you can take yeah. that in. I don't know. There's there's some there's it's, some. It's definitely a perk to being a season yeah. ticket holder. So I think I can. I mean, I can see myself like going through that ma- math in my head. Well, this is what I'm actually paying for. So. Yeah. Um, I hope that what that does mean is that, uh, the production is going to be a focus. Like this is the money going to go to the, to the production yeah. and we're going to see the kind of content that does replace what we're losing because we are losing some good content. Not, again, given that, uh, not every market was getting the content that our cell was getting here in Salt Lake, mm-hmm. but I am hoping that like, you know, for the sake of the people that are like signing on those de- to those deals to like, you know, as, as uh, on-air talent that they're going to be getting paid the way what they're worth to be there so it is it's a lot of things I you know granted I I, we're we're never gonna have what we had here with the uh, KTV and that that was just such a special thing and that is kind of a you know I think you see the like jazz fans kind of struggling with that too I think this kind of puts us on that on that uh, in that world a little bit because we kind of that was one of the things about ourselves watching ourselves recently is that, yeah, we can watch every game while jazz fans had to be like bought into a certain plan to do that. And yeah. that does just that does take away from it a little bit. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping that what we're seeing is that Apple gives MLS the platform it needs to be successful, uh, you know, in this thing. And I think that like, I would say that this price point does say that that's their plan.
0: Yeah, and I think as more details emerge, we'll have to do a whole show on this, probably in the preseason, and get Dunny uh, involved. I do know that he and David James both have interviewed with Apple. Um, Should either or both of them be selected, they are going to be very well taken care of. I think financially, the concern for them and everybody else is, okay, but I've got all these jobs and revenue streams and other things that i do in my home market am i going to be able to continue to do those um as you mentioned and as we've talked about in the past this deal does feel maybe a little more severe for us because we are the only team that has been on free over-the-air television for 18 years and this past year we were the only team to get have free television, free streaming, free radio um, in English and Spanish, no other team was doing that. Some teams would have six or ten games on a, on an over-the-air Spanish station or a handful of games on an over-the-air English station. But um, as you mentioned, jazz fans have been struggling with this for years, and this is kind of the world we, we live in now is you can have ten different streaming service subscriptions – and maybe still not even have access to everything that you want to watch as a sports fan or whatever your entertainment of choice is. So there's, um, you know, I think the price, maybe it is a little higher than I was expecting, 100 bucks a year, uh, 80 bucks a year. If, if you already have kind of their base model, there are going to be a handful of games each game night that are in front of the paywall. Um as you mentioned, uh, for season ticket holders of one of the league's 29 teams, you do get a free uh, MLS on Apple subscription. Um, it is going to be interesting to see how this thing grows over the next few years because, look, there's 2 billion Apple devices in people's hands worldwide, but I we're not concerned about the gamblers in Macau, who I always use as the example, who – Hey, maybe they'll wake up to MLS because these games are going to be at an odd time and during a time when a lot of leagues aren't playing and they want to consume more soccer because that's more opportunity to either be entertained or gamble or both or whatever. But, you know, if you're growing up in Saratoga Springs and you're a young soccer fan, you can't just turn on the KSL app or turn on KMYU like you could have for a whole generation now in Utah. It is, okay, I have to have a certain type of device or I have to have a certain app on my Android or my Roku or whatever. There's just a lot of barriers to entry for local fans to consume. And so I think that's the... It can be frustrating, but I think, Ryan, at the end of the day, I think we all look at it here. Okay, this is an opportunity. And, yes, we create great content both internally and externally with our local media partners. How do we incorporate some of those things into the Apple ecosystem so that an RSL fan that's living in, um, I don't know, let's say – Uh, Scott Caldwell's hometown outside of Boston, uh, you know, they're going to be able to just log into their MLS app, MLS Apple app, and they're going to see, you know, us hiking with Scott and his wife or whatever. Like, so there's cool – there is a cool upside. It's just everything's different than what we've been doing and what we've been used to. And as you've heard me and others um, say – We're probably one of five teams in the league that are negatively affected by this deal. For 24 teams in Major League Soccer, this deal is a massive, massive um, headache reliever for them because they either didn't have local distribution, even in paid platforms, even on cable RSNs like a lot of what we're seeing with the Jazz. They didn't have streaming options or they had unreliable ones. Uh, there have been a lot of different kind of fly-by-night digital streaming companies that haven't really been able to get their feet under the uh, under them and on the ground because they didn't have the technology to provide a quality viewing experience. And we had all of that here, and now it's, it's moved kind of behind a paywall onto um, a certain type of technology and it doesn't mean that you have to have an apple phone but you have to somehow with your existing technology find a way into the apple ecosystem to consume these games and and for some people that's a bridge too far and and look depending what age you are depending this is what's so interesting about our world right now is different generations, different marital statuses, different income brackets. Like, we all consume stuff differently. I don't know if Twitter's going to be here when the season kicks off based on all the stuff I'm reading about Elon uh, firing and hiring and rehiring and mandating different things from his employees uh, there, and that's what that's the social media I'm addicted to. But there's people on Facebook, there's people on TikTok, uh, there's people that have cut the cord, there's people that still have Xfinity. Um, there's just a million different ways, and honestly, like the hardest thing for me now is I as I sit here and watch sports, and watch the World Cup. Like I don't know what Fox streams on. I think it streams on Hulu um but some and actually a lot of the world cup is going to stream on peacock which i was counterintuitive to me but nbc has the spanish language rights so it's just like these are all the things we have to figure out but like if you and i were going to sit down tonight and watch pulp fiction i would have to google Pulp Fiction to figure out, okay, is it on Hulu, is it on Peacock, is it on Netflix, is it on Paramount Plus, like what services is on? I can't even keep track of who owns what anymore, and this is something that I think soccer fans are probably uniquely equipped to handle because for years, whether it was Champions League or Premier League or any – CONCACAF, whatever – uh, it's always you know scouring the internet for reliable information and how to find a game and then where to find it and you know how are TV stations gonna show our highlights under this Apple deal we don't know how are bars going to um, show games and have the very communal soccer viewing experience we don't know um and we've been through a lot of this i think here with the pac-12 network and the utes and we've been through it with the jazz and and at&t and all that so um we're going to spend a lot of 2023 uh educating people how and where to find us at what price, and then what do you do for the people that aren't willing to pay that price? How do we get our stories told? How do we get our highlights out? How do we get, like, we've got great people in that locker room that we want to highlight and uh, and connect with the community, and this, this makes it, yes, a little harder, um, but it means we're going to have to do things differently than we did for so, so many years with KSL and KUTV and Channel 4 before that and and all the great uh, local over-the-air broadcast partners we've had. So, all right. Uh, Like I said, we'll get into (laughs) that again uh, with Dunny because he's got a very unique viewpoint on that. But uh, that will be for probably a post-Christmas, maybe a pre-Christmas show. On the other side of this, uh, this break, you will hear from KSL Sports beat writer Tom Hackett. Right here, Bleeding, Clarence Cobalt. And here we are, our featured interview of this week's episode, The Man, The Myth, The Legend. That's actually how I introduce everybody. KSL Sports, Tom Hackett. Tom. Hey, guys. What's happening?
2: So much. How are you?
0: Good. Are you ready for the World Cup?
2: I am it's my favorite tournament of the uh I was going to say year but it's my favorite tournament of any sporting event.
0: And this is your first World Cup where you will have your son next to you. It is. How have you thought about how you're going to groom him early in the morning to no in you know to imbibe the soccer?
2: No, because normally when a World Cup football. comes on I just immediately think of beer. Really? Well yeah, because in 2010 I was in Bali for the mm wherever that one was, and then 20... South f- Africa. South Africa, thank you. 2014, I was a junior in college in Brazil. Salt Lake City.
0: What were, you a, were you a Real Salt Lake intern in 2014?
2: <laughs> Pro- probably, or 2015. Mm. I showed up to one day.
0: Just one day, I remember I was meant that. to come
2: for two, but I only was able to make one. I can't remember. I had something else on that other day. Mm. Anyway, it's irrelevant. So, no, I, I enjoy the World Cup, but not because of children. I don't think... I don't.
0: Are you going to get the little man up at 6 a.m. and start watching games?
2: Well, Australia's got an interesting schedule. They're 3 a.m., 8 a.m. and noon.
0: Every group stage game or just the last one?
2: No, so every group stage game, it's like Tunisia at 3 a.m., oh, okay. France at 8 a.m., and Denmark at noon or okay. something. Yeah. The U.S. have a great
0: schedule. Yeah, U.S., I think all the games are at noon. All the games are at noon. Yeah. Which is amazing. Costa Rica is who I'm going to be. That's the non-U.S. team because of Brian Oviedo that uh-huh. I'm going to be uh, honed in on. I think they've got a 3 a.m. game on the third group stage game. Um. I'm excited though. Oh, like, dude! I mean, have you watched the FIFA Uncover documentary on Netflix yet? No, but you I've should. seen the, I've seen the trailer. There's four episodes. They're addicting. I lived some of this when I was in MLS, and you know, we'd go over to the Concacaf offices for different things, and and then there were people that had worked at Concacaf that came and worked at the league that. And you'd hear these Chuck Blazer and 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 uh, Jack Warner stories. I remember being at the World Cup in 2002 in Korea when when Sepp Blatter won re-election and immediately tossed Michael Zen Rufinen, his uh, general secretary uh, trader, basically out of the big ballroom in the Seoul Hilton. They show some of this um, in this documentary, so it's just fascinating and it's. I guess it's kind of like you look back and you're like, you know, we always kind of knew or had suspicions that this is sort of how things got done. But when the U.S. and the U.K. didn't get the 2018 and 2022 World Cups, I think that was the splash of – it was just so – bold, I guess, the corruption by that point. So, yeah. Anyway... He just um, recently apologized, didn't he? Said Blatter? Yeah, I mean, he he's, a, a he's, mistake. he's heavily featured in this documentary, and and he's coming out and saying, you know, it was a mistake, we shouldn't have done Qatar, we probably shouldn't have done Russia, but dude, he's just trying to yeah. insert himself in the conversation, try to make himself relevant again. But anyway, are you... Uh, do you have any qualms about... Watching the tournament because of, you know, how Qatar got the games or the World Cup, I should say, and how the stadiums have been built. And obviously there's a lot of uh, things off off the pitch that yeah. uh, bring discomfort.
2: It, hind- it certainly hinders my uh, enthusiasm. Yeah. I'm yeah. not but i i just i i love the i love the the, the tournament yeah. so i'm going to watch but yeah it certainly it was never put it this way like you know because i'm 30 now um and i want to try and get to as many world cups as i can moving okay. forward but there was never any uh consideration to go to qatar for this no yeah you know whereas if it had been in england or i think australia had the 2022 bid as well okay, it was a they small did, chance that's right. that like I would have for sure gone, made it, made sure. found a way to go, even if I, you know, pay on my own dime, sort of thing. If work didn't want to send me, but oh yeah, I wanted to go, but never in Qatar. That was never a like. There was Do a video you, that just released of a journalist being questioned. You've seen yeah, it, yeah, the Dutch journalist, yeah. And I'm like, oh, see, just stuff like that, really. Apparently, puts Grant,
0: me Grant Wall took a picture of the slogan on a wall in the media center, and somebody like shoulder tapped him and said, "Could you please delete that from your phone?" Isn't that crazy? He's like, what are you talking about? Anyway, yeah. what do you what's your feeling on having a World Cup in the winter instead of the summer?
2: Well, I think you have to have it in the winter. 100%. If it's in Qatar, but I'm obviously not a fan of it.
0: I, I think the summer Would think, you rather the soccer world take a break in like June or July for thirty days or November, December?
2: June or July.
0: Yeah. I I'm kind of enjoying, I guess, the uniqueness of it from an MLS perspective. Well because, for MLS it works. Right. Yeah. But for Europe, it doesn't. Like, this is the longest off season any of us involved in Major League Soccer will ever have in our careers. And you deserve it. Because of the World Cup. Thank you. Um, but, like, it gives Demir an extra month yeah. to get his back right before preseason. It gives everybody else an opportunity because we went, you know, because of the COVID year and then last year, like, everything was so compressed. And not just soccer. Like, the NBA is coming off a couple heavily compressed seasons as well and then now you're kind of back to what may be a normal rhythm and the mls is gonna start january sixth preseason february 25th regular season you're gonna take a break in the summer for the leagues cup i'm not clear yet when open cup games are going to be played next year but mls cup next year is going to be back like december 8th or 10th or something so um it's a unique opportunity, I think, for everybody to kind of rest, reset, re- recharge, recalibrate. And uh, the good news is here at Real Salt Lake, we're still selling a ton of new season tickets. That's good. And, and we haven't even made new player announcements or re-signings or like all that kind of stuff that I'm sure we'll get into here today. But uh, it's great to have what I think might be a pretty stable off-season. Like we don't have the ownership thing hanging over our nope. head. We know who our coach is going to be. We know ninety percent of the team roster for next year, probably because and maybe this is where we should start, Tom. But like all those acquisitions that happened during the year last season: Anderson, Julio, Jefferson, Savarino, Diego Luna, Brian Ojeda, Brian Oviedo, Danny Musofsky Um, who am I missing? I mean, Sergio got in tail end of preseason last year on his loan, but um. And then you had, like, obviously some other young guys, Bodie Hidalgo most notably, kind of emerging uh, at the end of the year. But all those guys get to come in and have a full preseason with Pablo and the rest of the core group starting in uh, January.
2: Yeah. I've said um, for quite a few months now that this is the most important offseason for the club in recent memory. I couldn't couldn't even tell. I started covering the team officially circa – Oh, maybe 2018 Okay, I was following them doing Radio 2016 But I wasn't at every game yeah. But I, yeah, I couldn't tell you The last off season that I That I would consider as important as this one Because it just feels like For the last however many years You've had some sort of turmoil take place You know, whether it be the Mike Petke thing, and then the Freddie Juarez, but then the, when Freddie was here, Deloitte kind of went on his spiel, and that was the end of that. And then, like, it just felt like for so long there's yeah. always been something, whereas now the ownership's stable, the manager's stable, despite what you may read on Twitter. But don't read what don't, – don't don't believe what you read on Twitter. You know, it's like it's just stability all yeah. of a sudden. So it's important, I think, this offseason to add some key players – um, but to keep the core around. And, and next year, I think, could be quite promising.
0: Let's start with Pablo. I know I know you've um, been an advocate of a lot of his philosophical takes on how a locker room culture should be uh, cultivated. And, you know, despite, I think, some very difficult stretches in 2022, I think when I think about this past season – one of the things I'm going to be most impressed by is how does a team lose its captain and emotional leader in Demir Crylock, along with his 16 goals and nine or 10 assists from the year before. You lose Bobby Wood midway through. And look, injuries are a part of any team's campaign, but you end up playing the second half of the season without two and a half, three million dollars worth of salary at some pretty critical spots. And you have a run of results where you win, what, four out of 19, five out of 20 games. And Pablo and some of that senior leadership guys, and, and you got to give credit to everybody in that locker room, I mean, the young guys too, they, they didn't splinter. They stayed together. I think that's, to me, I mean, obviously you didn't have the Cinderella run like you did when Pablo was the interim boss in 2021 with the Western Conference Final. Um but I don't know, just what, what's your take on, on maybe how you saw Pablo grow, having that uh, interim tag removed and and having the permanence under the new ownership to build his culture?
2: I think the season was a success. Uh, I think I, I, would, I would like to think anyway that most people would agree on that. At the start of the season, the club was pegged to finish towards the bottom of the conference, and they they, they, they scrambled their way into a playoff position. But I do think there is a ton of area for growth to be had um, and I think the the biggest, you know, period throughout the season that you have to circle if you're Pablo or the front office or whoever is, is that middle to to end stretch where they just, they kind of crumbled. I mean, they started the season, you know, flying, they're at the top and then they just, they kind of just withered away and it just didn't feel like the, the energy was there or certainly the confidence was lacking. and confidence is funny once it starts to crack it can really crumble if you're not careful and that's probably you know from an outsider's perspective not being in the dressing room every day that's probably what was happening whether or not you know people will admit that but so you got to figure out how, how to not allow that to happen moving forward and ebbs and flows throughout the season are always going to be natural there are going to be periods where sure. you play better and periods where you play worse but you can't have those periods where you play worse drag on and i think this season they dragged on for probably a little too long i mean there's no reason why however many games into the year you would know but you were sitting second in the conference and yeah. then you go back you fast forward a couple of months and all of a sudden you're scrambling to make the playoffs like there's yeah, that I shouldn't think, happen
0: we had 29 points through 17 games and seven no what was it Some sorry I believe it was 29 points through 17 games. And had we not made the playoffs with that decision-day win against Portland, we would have become only the third team in the history of Major League Soccer yeah. to not make the playoffs after attaining that first-half yeah. point total. So, so that's a concern. Yeah, for sure. Now, you've been part of a lot of locker rooms, and you know everybody's got kind of a different take, different philosophy of how certain types of things even out referee calls obviously we spent a lot of time this season kind of lamenting points dropped at home you had the you know the one zero and two one leads against at home against toronto you had a two nothing lead against colorado you had a one nothing very very late lead against vancouver that all ended up being home draws you had zero zero home draws against uh, columbus and dc united which Neither of whom made the playoffs. Um, you had a, dis- a very disappointing, I think, late season home loss to Cincinnati. Although Cincinnati ended up acquitting themselves pretty pretty well. Pablo always said, "Okay, that's cool. Yeah, we we should fix those things and not let that happen." But you have to also count the points that we pulled out of nowhere, like at New England, Montreal. at Seattle, yeah. um, and a couple other difficult difficult places. So where do you kind of land on how the club mentality played into all that
2: i don't i see i don't see that being like that big of an issue um because if you sit down with elliot fall the general manager i'm sure you have he'll tell you that generally those all even themselves out and i agree with him and i think there are going to be years where maybe you feel like you're a little hard done but there are also going to be years where maybe you probably feel like you got lucky more more often than not so i I don't. I don't. I didn't watch this group in two thousand and twenty-two. You know, get off to poor starts or struggle down the stretch. You know, like that. There wasn't like large trends that had me all that concerned yeah. regarding that. What I like about Pablo, and maybe this is a good reason, like a, a good time for me to kind of explain why I've become an advocate for Pablo. And it's, I, I'm not under the impression that. A head coach and this this goes like Jeff Saturday yeah. at Indianapolis is a really good example of sure and, and again the jury's still out with him he's been in charge one game and, and they beat the Lonely Raiders but regardless I, I just think it, to be a good head coach you just have to you have to have an understanding of how to manage people and get the best out of them mm. and so in the game of American football it's obviously different than the game of soccer but in American football for example with Jeff Saturday he's the head coach and he's got all these other people around him that can handle the X's and O's in the scheme and and do all that dirty work where you spend 12 hours every day in front of a television just dissecting every little play from every game that, you know, tedious, tedious work, and then putting the game plan together. But the head coach doesn't need to be able to be the master of that, and I feel like that's the same in the game of soccer. Pablo doesn't have to have this grand schematic plan every game to go in and, you know take out the best player from the other team through switches and pivots and he doesn't need to be able to do that I think he's very savvy when it comes to the technical side of the game I think he understands he played it at a very high level he's been around people long enough now that are incredibly intelligent but I think his best asset is how he gets the most out of the players and and I think that's why I, I'm the I'm an advocate for him because I believe in the in that power immensely and I don't think, and I, I don't need to name names, but I don't think coaches here at Real Salt Lake in the past have specialized in that mm. realm.
0: Um, looking at the roster, the players, the performances, anyone shock you in how they... For good or bad? Yeah, either way.
2: Uh, Andrew Brody shocked me. He shocked me the whole time. Yeah. It wasn't that long ago, Trey. I was sitting up in the Monarchs, you know, Zions Bank Stadium booth with Landon Southwick calling Monarchs games, and Andrew Brody was... And he was a good player for the Monarchs, don't get me wrong, but... And he was probably one of their better players for sure, but you just look at him and it's like, there's no way he could
0: potentially be what he has become. He is so good. He's so good. Can I take full credit for him hanging out with me in Austria for six months?
2: I mean, the Austrian thing was like revolutionary, honestly. So for yeah, him and you can, Pablo and Pablo Ruiz. Yeah. And I think Pablo's a talent as well, but Pablo has growth. Uh, there are areas of his game, in my humble opinion, that I think need to need to grow. Mm. And there are certainly areas in like Andrew Brody's game, but Andrew is so he's so good defensively, like for how Monster small year.
0: he is. he's Defensive player of the year is voted by his uh, teammates. Yeah, he he is really good. I like him a lot. Do you like him better on the left or the right or in a back three or back five or back four? I like, like
2: him on the right. So really? this is like a really interesting oh, conversation. this is Aaron Herrera slander, uh, Tom. I, no, I, that's, <laughs> I didn't want to go there. I'm just kidding. Aaron had a bad year in
0: my opinion. He said so, right, to you and Caleb and... Others at the end of the year, right? Yeah. And
2: I love Aaron, and he's my favorite interview because he's so honest. And he's
0: transparent, and he'll just tell you how it is. So with Demir back next year, presumably, how much does that help Aaron? Somebody's getting on the end of all those crosses.
2: Well, that helps a lot because that was part of the issue for Aaron. Aaron tried to—here's what—you want to know what I think honestly happened with Aaron? This is—Aaron and had a career best year circa 2021— what do you have 11 assists correct and obviously you don't judge like a fullback by their assist tally but he that obviously helps i think he put too much pressure on himself in 2022 to Mm. perform so you'll watch you'll go back watch games and you'll see aaron herrera try and play long through balls when there was just no need for that ball to be played and it was never really on yeah you know, like. It would have had to be inch perfect. And yeah. even, like, the best of the European players have a hard time hitting that. Sure. And, and so you look back, you go, just, like, calm down, Aaron. Stop trying to do that. Just play the simple balls, and when the time's right, you'll know. Yeah. Play the long ball. But he just tried to do too much. Like, he'd go to the ground in the box. He gave away three penalties. And it's just like, on two out of the three, there was no need to go to ground at all. Yeah. You know, just chop your feet and stay upright, and, and there's a good chance you block the shot or you put him off, and, he, you know, yeah. it's just... So there were decisions that Aaron made that he will admit because he's an honest guy and I, I know how he operates. And he said, yeah, I probably tried to do too much. The pressure maybe got the better of me in 2022, but that doesn't mean that 2023 can't be just like 2021. In fact, I think there's a really good chance we see 2021 version of Aaron Herrera because of what happened in 2022. Yeah. He, he would have learned so much from this year. And he's obviously got a long time now to kind of think about it and figure out how to get better. So. What are
0: what are your reasonable expectations for Demir Krylock in 2023? You keep hitting on Demir, you're excited, aren't you? I am very excited. I mean, it was just it was a big theme looking back at the year cuz you willingly let Albert go and look, I don't I don't know and we've had Elliot on, we've had other people Is that public? What? The the yeah. club will Okay, good. Yeah. I think Pablo has talked about it, others But like, I don't know that you reasonably expected Demir to come back and have 16 goals and 10 assists like he did in 2021 when he, I think Elliot said, look, if there was a best 12 instead of best 11, Demir's probably in there. And I know, you know, he got some MVP votes and some of this is MLS extra time, punditry and all that kind of stuff, but... 10 and 10. 10 10 goals, 10 10 assists. That's That's your expectation for Demir in 2023. Mm -hmm. So does that mean to you his back is Better. a non-issue and 100%?
2: No, I don't think it's 100%, but I think it's I, – well, I certainly hope it's 100%, but I, I think 10-10 and 10 for Demir is a good year but not a great year. Okay. I think a great year is 16 and whatever yeah. it was. That's a great year. To be fair, he's but getting if, older. But if you have
0: Sergio or Savarino or – you know, some of the pieces that you didn't have in 2021. And look, Albert's a different player than Jefferson, obviously. Is it, do you need Demir to have 15, 16 goals? No.
2: Like, it could be nice. No. Demir scores goals with his head. I mean, That's in an ideal let. world, we'd have
0: three 15 goal scorers every
2: year. You just need him to float into the area and allow Savarino, Justin Miram puts a wicked ball in, these sort of players on the outside to, Aaron Herrera, just service, you know. Demir's never going to be the sort of player where he receives the football 40 yards from goal, dribbles around four players, and then picks out the top right-hand corner. He can, but that's not what he does. What Demir does is he controls the football from box to box, he spreads it out, he he brings other players into the game, and then his movements attract defenders, which in turn opens more space for other players on Real Salt Lake, and when the time's right, he just floats into the box. And it seems like 80% of the time gets his head on it. So it's remarkable. Um, Jefferson Sabarino. This is such an interesting player to me. I don't think he can be the marquee guy at the club. Really? Yeah. Even, his personality isn't yeah, that. No, he's very introverted. He's too introverted. He, you need, and you don't. Need but somebody. you don't feel
0: like he made strides taking the bull by the horns, the way he stepped up and scored that early goal against Portland on Decision Day.
2: No, like he can play a massive role for the club, but first of all, he's an He's a winger, so, and I would prefer if the club's marquee player is a central player. Okay. Now, like you can argue, you know, Carlos Vela for LAFC is a winger, and but I hate to break it to RSL fans. Jefferson Severino, for as good as he is, is not Carlos Vela. <laughs> he's just not. He's good. Like, I like. I think Jefferson Saverino is amazing. He's. Okay, s- let me. scored really let me big goals this. for the
0: club. Jefferson Severino's stats bomb radar in 18 games is effectively identical to Hani Mukhtar's radar over 33 games.
2: Yeah, that's fair.
0: From 2022. I. I so. About... And I, I'm not saying he's Hani Mukhtar. Hani has. He plays a little more central. He's got a little more freedom to attack and a lot less defensive responsibility than Jefferson has. But I guess my big question is, where is the upside? Where is the growth that, even if he's not the marquee guy, that he can take in, in 2023 and having a preseason and a full season and understanding Pablo and having Demir back and all the reasons we think we could see Savarino grow next year?
2: I don't know if it's entirely up to him. Okay. Because if you watch LAFC play, they almost force the ball to Vella. Yeah. Like it's almost only down that one that sure. one flank, and sure. he'll flip sides and play on both. But predominantly, he plays on the right side. He cuts back in on that left, like Messi's, you know, made famous, and Gareth Bale, yeah. and the like. But Real Salt Lake doesn't play like that. Mm. So, so that's why I don't think it's 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 all up to him to take his game to the next level. I think what he does is like amazing. I think and I think what the club pays him is worth it. And yeah. he gets he makes a lot of makes the most money on the team. Right. Um and so I just think you need somebody centrally that can dictate games with more authority. The mm. problem I have with Savarino and this is why I assume Pablo tried to force him centrally at times mm. this season is mm. to just get him on the football. Yeah, but he's, that, his that his strength space. isn't playing centrally because yeah. he's he hasn't done a ton of that at the professional level. So I think I think Saverino's is uh, amazing, and I think he's always going to be one of the better players on the team, if not the best. But I don't think he one plays the position that Real Salt Lake uh, allows him. Because I don't want to come, I don't want to come on the podcast and say, "Oh, wingers can't be a marquee player." Because then right. you look at like Lionel Messi and yeah. for, in the league, Carlos Vela. But you can. It's just Real Salt Lake doesn't force the ball to his wing as often as they need to. If he want, if he is the marquee player, they don't do that. Now, enough.
0: late in the year, he started playing more on the left. Did you like that? I did. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I I think he's better suited on the left almost
0: than the right uh-huh. or than central. I think he's almost better suited on
2: the left because he can cut in on his right. Okay. And he can pick out the top corner or he can put in a cross to the back post that uh, mm. strikers are running in. When he plays on the left, he basically, yeah, he's a right-footed player. Well, sorry, when he plays on the right, he's a right-footed player. So to get onto his dominant foot, he has to go touch yeah, baseline. I and what you're I, I, I'm always a fan, if you have a, a talented winger, that their biggest strength, and this is Savarino, is beating defenders one-on-one. I'm always a fan on putting them on the opposite side to what their foot, strength is, if that makes any sense at all. So a right-footed player plays on the left, left left-footed player plays on the right.
0: That's why you love Brody on the left.
2: I like Brody on the left. But you didn't say that. (laughs) (laughs) But he's different because he's a fullback. I know, I'm just teasing. So that's why I like Brody on the right, because his job isn't to cut in. His job is to operate all the way up and down that right-hand side and put crosses in. You don't want fullbacks, you can, you don't want fullbacks getting into the middle of the park Right. 30 yards from goal playing as a 10, because then it just ruins everything. Shape from your shape.
0: A couple other players that I would like you to project upside for next year. Okay. Sergio Cordova should he return? Oh. And I don't know. You don't know.
2: I don't. How do you know? Nobody knows. No, that's the, that's a
0: magic question. Nobody knows who he is. I I, I don't think. He like, do you come. think he could come back? at the beginning of preseason, with a new deal, a new lease on life, and improve upon 11 goals and four or five assists, whatever he had this year? So here's
2: my take on – to answer your question, yes. I, I'll answer that with a yes. I okay. think he can better that. I I think Sergio Cordova could be, like, the best striker or top three striker in the league. Because when you look at the man, he's 6'4". 6'3"? Oh, yeah, 6'3", I think like he's broad, he's strong, mm-hmm. he's fast, he has a decent first touch,
0: but his it's all about confidence be, with him.
2: Okay, there you go. That's it. That's why I say
0: I don't know if he should there's, come back. You can, I mean, on like his body language is such that when he's not confident, he he physically shrinks himself smaller than his stature. I know, and you look and at he and, hangs his head, I know. and then when he. And he gets fired He gets bowled over too easily Puts too. His chest get, out, shoulders up, he'll get a little headstrong. elbow into the rib yeah.
2: cage, and it's like you know he's been yeah. taken out. It's like you should be the one asserting that. I don't. If I'm being truthful with you, I don't think the club should bring him back because mentally, as a number nine, your your best asset is your ability to stay in control. Yeah, when it's not well, going well, and that's way. what we
0: don't know. We don't know what the purchase price from Augsburg would be. What's your guess? Or the loan extension? We don't know what his personal What's salary guess? terms would be. If they go,
2: we'll give him to you for five hundred. You take him every day.
0: Well, yeah, week. for sure.
2: If you can get him for five hundred, you take him. But if you start getting into the, into the millies, I don't know if you can do that. Um, Justin Glad, really good player, amazing
0: year, amazing and year. as. If he's on the field, we don't give up goals and we win games. The eight games he's missed, he missed. I think we were zero wins, five losses, three draws off the top of my head. Yep. Um, he's quality. Still young. Only seven players in the history of this club have played more games than him for RSL, which is amazing to me because I think he he just turned 25. Yeah. I'd sell him. To Who?
2: Granted, I don't know when his contracts are.
0: Well, he just signed a new deal before last year, so I think he's got three years left. Yeah, I'd sell him. And I think the latest MLSPA numbers have him at like seven or eight hundred grand. As a value? No, as a salary. Yeah. Um, Because I think right now is when he's valued the height. I guess my question is. Sell him. It's it's like, yeah, but who's going to pay? Market value for him—that's
2: what I don't know. Does well, he... There's got to be European clubs out there that are interested in a player of his quality. It's just like he's at his peak. He's 25. His value is not going to get any higher. He's coming off a career best right. year. He's but got 25 left on his
0: deal. I feel like like 25 used to be the big cutoff for transfers. It's younger. I now. feel like it's 25 is older, right? For sure. Yeah. If he was 22, there'd be a much broader market for him. Sure. I guess the problem but, was he never got here's playoff the thing, time when he was twenty. And I've said this a million times. When he and Jordan Allen signed for our club, I was the American sports fan that wished they would play for RSL for 15 years, right? I never want to see us sell Justin Glad or Aaron Herrera or Diego Luna or whoever the, you know, Axel Kai, whatever. But that's not reality, not right? Reality. And I guess my question is, Can Justin Glad continue to improve? And I think we saw a pretty big jump under Pablo for Justin. Because remember, both Freddie and and Mike Pecky would let Justin start 30 games a year and then bench him for the like decision day in the playoffs, right? And I don't know, obviously I'm biased. Can he improve? Is there enough room for him? To improve, and again, this is a guy who was voted team MVP by his peers. Can he improve enough to be part of the U.S. national team in the next cycle? I think so. I think where he gets – I think where he misses out
2: is um, I don't know if he's good enough with the ball at his feet. I think he's good, and he'll spray it around, and he'll go from center back position – you know to the left wing position and 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 he can hit it pretty flat and pretty accurate but i don't know if if he i think he needs to improve that area of his game and he certainly needs to improve his his finishing ability and there was that game late in the year yeah. which one was it it was uh, uh LA Galaxy i think was yep.
0: it yep yep where he was devastated to not get those finishes he had finishes. two or three finishes yeah.
2: that you have got to put away you don't care if you're playing goalkeeper you have to finish those mm. chances and so he need, like Walker Zimmerman, right? So Walker's sure. kind of the one guy U.S. men's national team that plays locally. And Ryan thinks soccer.
0: Walker Zimmerman sucks. See, I think he's <laughs> <Yeah>. really good. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm, we've had Ryan and I have had this discussion, so I'm, I'm make I'm poking a little fun. Yeah. I think Walker Zimmerman is awesome. He's really good. There are people that think he's declined a little bit, maybe this season as opposed to last. But I think the dynamics in and around Nashville have Maybe not depended on him as heavily. Right. Anyway,
2: but I think that's who who Justin Glad's probably striving to become. He could put on some more weight. Mm. He could get bigger. His mm. arms are not as big as he's you, so fast though. He's so fast. So that's the other thing is like how much weight can he put on without
0: diminishing his speed. correct? Yeah.
2: But I I guarantee yeah he could he could get bigger in his in his chest and his shoulders. Um, he's kind of he is a a. Uh, What's the right word? Because scrawny is not the right word, but he he slight. is slight, slight for a yeah, centre back. Yeah,
0: I think he's lean. And he, Maybe not slight. He
2: doesn't get like bullied on on off the ball or anything. Yeah. He's pretty physical, he's but pretty he could use. A good communicator. He's a good communicator. He could use some uh, some some weight room time, I think. Um, but he was good. Marcelo Silva was good. That partnership was good.
0: I was gonna say. Marcelo Silva, I think, played ended up playing almost twelve hundred more minutes than he had in any previous MLS season. What did he do different? Because normally he's he good. had the armband, according to Pablo.
2: Well, I get it, but
0: normally he's good for a calf injury that'll sideline him for yeah, a month or two. And... Calf injury, a few red cards that he avoided. Yeah, this I know year. he's good. He, he didn't red. have, he didn't see the red mist like he sometimes does in the past.
2: So he, he's. I hope this is what I hope with Marcelo. I hope they grant him a, a new contract. That'll see his professional career conclude at Real Salt
0: I think that's what and everybody you, wants. And you
2: probably pay a little over his value over the course of that deal as a way to just say thank you, because hmm. you you've been, he's been so he's been so good. Uh, even in years where he kind of has struggled to stay healthy or he's made a few irrational decisions and seen red, he's he's a good locker room guy. He's a leader. People follow him. He's. He's like a warrior. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like he'll go into challenges, no fear. Like you, you need players like that to create a culture that's capable of winning.
0: You know who else appears to be fearless? Who? Brian O'Hara.
2: Brian O'Hara. The check. What did Taylor Twellman say? The check. Send the check
0: yesterday. <laughs> if you, Can you had break won- the news if- on this podcast, if you had won the two billion dollar uh, Powerball, would you have given? Elliot and company the uh, the four million or whatever it is to uh, purchase Mr. Ojeda from Nottingham Forest
2: I would have bought the club I You would have, have bought the whole club I would have promoted you to president I love oh, John okay. I would have fired Elliot <laughs> I would take over as GM Wow yeah you want to lose all that money that quickly yeah and then I and then I'd sack Pablo who I love uh, but I'd go and poach. Ange Postacoglu, my Australian, from Celtic. I, I'd just find a way to pay him enough.
0: Really? Huh. I'm glad you didn't win then. Yes.
2: <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? You'd be president.
0: Yeah, I don't know if that's the best thing for this club <laughs> either. I, I'll, I would definitely want a spot. And uh, don't think I didn't dream of how I would approach Mr. Blitzer and Mr. Ryan Smith. Uh, to weasel my way into the ownership group if I had if I had won that lottery.
2: Brian O'Hader is really good. To it's go full deal, circle man. here. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they need to buy that now. He, uh, and he wants to stay. He's immense. He's really good. He's just... Um, he's, he's almost perfect for the league, too, mm. which is part of why you need to buy him now. Yeah. Uh, because there are players that come in and they just can't quite grasp the physicality yeah. of the league. And he... It's like he he never skipped a beat, and we're talking about a player too, Trey. Don't you know? Let's not forget that he didn't really play much for Nottingham Forest.
0: No, he only he, played three games in a whole year. So,
2: like before he got here, he hadn't played a ton of football, um, and normally that hurts players. But it seemed to it seemed to help him because he um he's just really he's solid. Like yeah. defensively, he he kind of bullies people off the football, and then. In the attacking phase, he's clever and he's smart and he's he's a good dribbler too. That's, well
0: he wasn't the hard six that I think we all had kind of dreamed of. He's like a hybrid. Yeah. It's kinda cool. Yeah. It's like um, really cool. You like him and Pablo Ruiz together? Or do you think they're too similar? Uh,
2: that's hard to answer. Yeah. We I I didn't see we didn't see enough of uh so Brian for sure, I think's uh a starting midfield player. Yeah. But I didn't. We didn't see enough of Jasper and Ryan. We haven't gotten into Jasper. No, but because when Brian came in, Jasper was kind of the one that took a seat. Yeah. A little Granted, bit. it was his first year, and he'd played a ton early. Like it was probably good that he yeah. didn't play t- a ton late. But moving forward, Talk I'd like about to,
0: upside, man.
2: I'd like to see Jasper and Brian. Okay. In the middle.
0: Yeah. I I like Pablo and where, Ruiz. And then where
2: do you put Diego Luna?
0: Yeah. I'd, I'd you want to see us move to a diamond? No.
2: No? Well, what do you play Demir in a diamond? Mm,
0: one of the spots up top.
2: This is why I'll never be a manager because I think it would be so cool to see, like, a, find a way to play two two tens. <laughs> two tens? <laughs> <laughs> who, like, who, play Krylak and Luna next to each other.
0: Somebody's got to do the work, man. Who's uh, in the engine room? Well, that's Brian. Okay. You just like you say, hey dog, best of luck. If you're playing two tens though, then you you probably can't get Brody and Herrera up the wings. No, you're not. You're not gonna play two tens. But
2: you know, yeah. okay. So here's here's another interesting thought. I don't think what's Demir thirty two.
0: He'll be thirty four.
2: Okay, thirty four. You can't play him every game. That's true. So you you actually you you don't need two ten. You can play. You can play a ten, and then Demir can play when ready. But but can I, Diego
0: learn to be an eight?
2: No, Diego's a ten. But Diego doesn't need to be an eight. I don't think because you've got. He's, Josh, you've he's gotta got to
0: have some passable ability and effort on the defensive side of the yeah, ball. Yeah, it's not. Re- he's not ready for which that. he doesn't. He's not been asked to have in El Paso or at the U.S. Under twenties. He he was asked that this year. We did see great improvements in his appearances and minutes over the course of the year. He's the guy I'm most excited to have like preseason Yes, because of all the philosophical learning and teaching and everything that happens. Mm-hmm. Now, the first half of 2023 is going to be a little disjointed for Diego because of the under-20 World Cup. He'll be an so he's going to be in and out of Utah and Malaysia and everywhere in between, but I think he's going to be a prime – Cog for that US under twenty
2: team. Oh yeah, well he yeah he's he was that this year too. Whenever he depart on yep. duty, and he he'd see highlights all the time. But so so I I I think what will happen is in twenty twenty two you play you start Demir as the ten, and then Diego's off doing his US under twenty. But I think when Diego comes back, that would be a perfect time to give Demir maybe a game mm-hmm. game or two rest, come off the bench. Diego gets some run, and then you can kind of just manage that way moving forward who feels good
0: and then where are you at with chang oh miriam you
2: know i i think chang's a left back what <laughs> i know it's weird
0: i think he's a what? left i think speaking he's a left of left back. backs like oviedo
2: well oviedo's quality he's been good i mean we'll see miriam Mir- miriam miriam should come miriam love miriam miriam has treated me, especially this last year. I don't know what happened, but he—he's a homie. He's really cool. He's a bench player. He's gonna hate me for saying that. No, I think.
0: I—I I mean, I think he played so many minutes he through all those minutes. injuries, that he—he he realized that that final twenty minutes of every game off the bench that we saw at the tail end of twenty twenty one, where he can go one on one at tired defenders, like that benefits him. I agree.
2: I think he should come off the bench. Uh, I think Michael Chang's a left back, which is very strange to say, but I really do. I think he's best suited at left back. And I think it's too late in the process now to make that transition, but I think that transition should have been made seven years ago. He's (laughs) by far the best defensive attacking player Real Salt Lake has. (laughs) If you watch him play, all he does is stick out his left foot and the ball stops on his foot. Yeah.
0: And he does it three but, times a game. He's a great defender. Do you defender. remember the game, the home game two years ago when Wando came off the bench and turned a 1 nothing RSL lead into a 2 0, yes. 2 1.
2: 3 1.
0: Chang was at fault on both of those because he wasn't pressuring the service. Yeah,
2: no. Well, he's not a left back. And he's too old to now yeah. become a left back. But I think he I should have been. I, I left agree
0: back. with you that his defensive work rate and ability has greatly improved.
2: The Chang and Miram are similar players okay. for me because they're older now. Uh, but they they both offer a, a lot still and when you when you're attacking tied defenders you can have more of an impact and I think that's the impact they need to have. But yeah. So I think they're similar. They they need to come off the bench. They they're role players and there's and they're, they're going to not like that because they're professional players with the mindset of a you know, warrior. They do. Okay. So yeah. there's a lot of dignity there. That, sure. But but you need those guys. But that's you where you need squads. That's guys. where they're best. Squad. Yeah. They're they're squad players at the yeah. minute, and that's
0: fine. Where, They'll still get paid. Uh, how would you assess uh, Zach McMath's 2022?
2: I think he started off really well and then fell apart. Like, but like the rest of the team, he's no yeah. different. Uh, do I think? Well this is funny, Trey, and I'd love to kind of dive into this for like two minutes. But how do you handle So Zach McMath is the starting goalkeeper going into next year. I don't think there's any kind of debate about that. But how do you handle the backup? Do you... Thomas Gomez He's kind of he's out of contract. Mm. So there's talks, maybe they bring him back. But is that the best thing for the club? Because you've got so many of I mean, Gavin Beavers is Sure.
0: How do you handle that? But then Beavers over at Crystal Palace right now, exactly. apparently doing very well. He's a really—I mean, he's only been playing the game. But he's still three only years. seventeen.
2: I know, but how do you get him on the bench of the first team, but also play enough at the Monarchs? Yeah.
0: Is it possible? Because if you that move is, all Monarchs games to Sunday instead of Friday, which you don't have the power to do, well, I don't. No but certainly that is something i think the club may want to go into
2: but no yes and no because if he goes and plays a, a friday night game for the monarchs and then turns around and plays sits on the bench for the real salt lake on a saturday what maybe one game out of the year he'll be used it's That's and even question. when he is used he's a goalkeeper and it's not like he's it's not like yeah. goalkeepers at the end of the games are like crawling off the pitch because they've worked so hard. It's like no, they're
0: they're tired, but they're, yeah, it's just with the minutes restriction that players can have in a weekend. Hurts. That's that's where you want to have the MLS game ahead of the next pro game. Yeah,
2: and I think uh, the minutes restriction shouldn't apply to goalkeepers personally, mm. or I think the minutes restriction should be greater for them.
0: That's not a bad shout. I don't know why. Look, I mean, as we saw in Chicago with Slonina the last couple years, they were the ones that really kind of broke the reluctance in the history of this league to play very young keepers.
2: So what's the goal for Gavin Beavers? What's the club's goal for Gavin
0: Beavers? I, I think it's dual. It's get him... Get him to a point where he can become a reliable starter in Major League Soccer. Yeah, that's the first objective. get him to a point where you can sell him his rights for a lot. several million dollars. That's the perfect
2: scenario. Right. Yeah. And I think fans, but
0: management agree with you've that. You've got a 10-year veteran in Zach McMath that you need to teach guys like Gavin and David in the past and others like how to be pros. Uh. Yeah, no, I, I don't disagree. But but you're not making any money on Zach. The club's not no, making any money on Zach. No.
2: So if it and comes down to between Gavin and Zach and the club believes that Gavin's at a point where he's capable of starting games, you start Gavin. And that's a hard decision, sure. and I wouldn't want to have to make it and or tell Zach yeah, that. Yeah, I think
0: it's probably... I don't know when that point is. In the past, the club's never right done now. that. The club no. hasn't
2: made that decision. They've always, like... Hid away from having to make that. They've been like, "Oh, we'll just give it a little bit more time." It's like, no, give that. Make it now. Put so, him in the deep end and ask yeah, him to swing. I
0: think the year, look, Achoa started what twenty five games in twenty one. He probably should have played more in twenty instead of Putna. Um, and obviously, hindsight's twenty twenty and that stuff. So let's say Gavin Beavers, maybe Putnam he's not ready to start MLS yet, what are we but doing? he's too good for next pro. So do you loan him to a USL team for no. part of why? Because I think you wanna you wanna make sure that his
2: development is here. You wanna be able to okay, but control that. Quality
0: games are a big part of his development.
2: You think he's that much better than MLS Next?
0: I do. I think, and look, me. I think the gap will probably close a little bit, but I think the gap that we saw this past year between MLS Next Pro and USL is. Was more massive than anyone anticipated.
2: Well, maybe you do loan him then. If maybe yeah. you do loan him for a year, and, but you you have to find a club know. that's that's going to start him. No point loaning him for yeah. him to sit on the bench at a no, USL club. No, you're right. You know, but like and in El Paso
0: can, or a New Mexico or Orange County or somebody, if they're going to say we will start him 25 games, then I think that's that's a huge piece of his development. sure. You just have to take him for the
2: word because there's nothing you can put in a contract well, that
0: states we're going to take him back. No, and that's where, like, so many of these, like, relationships and everything that the coaches and the administrators have with other people that they they trust, you know. Um,
2: you know what's going to be cool? Huh. Axel Kai is going to play next year.
0: Yeah, how many MLS minutes do uh, you think Axel is going to get? I'm going to go with 250. Over.
2: You think he plays more?
0: I don't know. I, I I would have said he wasn't going to play at all next year, but the second half of that Atlas game changed your mind. Open my eyes. So
2: Sergio, should the club go after Josef
0: Martinez? I don't think so. I don't either. I wrote a piece. I think he's he's just he's over the age threshold. It's too and he's, it's too much money. He's still coming off a pretty major ACL a couple years ago. I don't. I don't think it's a. I think if you're going to spend whatever he costs in both acquisition costs and salary, you can go find. And again, I mean, I know I'm talking about both sides of my mouth because every club in the world is looking for a reliable number nine, and whether it's two million or five million or ten million or twenty million, people don't actually think they can find those. Like that's why they're the they're the holy grail yep. you know of roster building and that's why going really
2: full circle to the very start of the conversation <laughs> i believe the marquee player should be a central striker okay cuz they you just can't find most you wanna know who, most of them a sergio Cordova circa 2022 most of them right where they good and they have moments but they're where frustrating, you're like, "Oh right? gosh, that could get." Like yeah. Sergio got but himself
0: then... into amazing positions, and obviously had some finishing issues. Correct. And he sorted a lot of those out as time went on, more or less. And Cotto will play, but every striker goes hot cold. Fernando years. Torres, remember him, the uh-huh. roller coaster ride he used to take you on at Liverpool or Chelsea, Chelsea or Atletico and... or wherever? Like when the guy was hot, he was unstoppable. Well, li- yeah, Liverpool he was the best
2: player in the world, but then he'd go to Chelsea and. He wouldn't be great. Um, I mean, like Cucho Hernandez. Sure, that's that's what the club needs to go out and try. Ten and million buy. acquisition. He's worth every single penny of ten million. So, would you rather have him or Reynoso? Also, ten million. I'd rather have Hernandez because Reynoso is a wide player.
0: Mm. That's fair.
2: So, I uh, part of the reason I think this is the biggest off season in the club history is because I think they need to break the transfer fee record for the club. I don't see why this wouldn't happen in. In this offseason it, it i think it has to to be fair because yeah. what is the are you allowed to say like what the club record fees is? and like two it's uh, two and a half two and a half i mean literally Twice.
0: literally buying jefferson savarino selling jefferson savarino and reacquiring jefferson savarino are the three biggest yeah transactions in yeah. rsl history
2: so that needs to change and that's no disrespect or offense to Savarino, but it's two and a half odd million dollars. It's 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 enough money, but it's not enough money at the same time.
0: Yeah, look, in in twenty seventeen, that was a lot more exactly. in, in Major League Soccer context than and it is now. I don't now. think
2: you need to go and find a ten million dollar player. No. But, we don't. We don't need to be Toronto, no, or even um, Columbus, yeah. like the, Minnesota. These clubs that. Real Salt Lake's better than. Sure. They're still spending more money on... I Here's think the you thing, need to spend spending, $5 million like, on a striker. It costs a
0: lot of money to operate the academy every year. So, But people don't ever want to count that when they For look sure. at like cash outlay. They want to look at, understandably, we're all fans, acquisition costs or salary. But let's say in another five years, when the next group of Brody, Herrera, Glad... Uh, Rosco, Farnsworth, um, Kai, Wellings, maybe Julio Benitez, whoever whoever that next gr- like group of Academy guys are. You're getting those kids players at a fraction of the cost that it goes out to acquire them, even with an intra league yes. trade or transfer. Then and you want to save your money for the for the big budget uh, difference maker, like maybe Brian Ojeda. But here is also why I think... A $4 million purchase of Ojeda would, would be a new standard. And he's worth that. Yeah. I, he's 22. He's 22, and that's Ooh. why that U22 mechanism, because, and I don't pretend to know the details, but the way the acquisition costs and the way that gets amortized over the life of the contract, and this is how LAFC actually built a lot of what they did. And look, this past year, they took some of the money that they had made buying and selling U-22s and that GAM, and they went out and they got Bale at a discount and Collini as a discount. Um, and they spent big money on, um, I'm blanking on the French winger that was playing in Gabon who had a big MLS Cup. Like They threw a lot of money around, but they had kind of built up a war chest, Uh, By buying and selling like U22s. So if RSL kind of get into that model and look, selling Academy kids at some point is going to be a big part of that too. That's the number one revenue stream from 90% of the clubs in the world is selling players. And we've not done that. Uh, Dallas and I think Philadelphia and the Red Bulls have done a pretty good job. Um, amongst MLS teams, who academies are as held held in as wa- as well you know as well regarded as ours is, but um, you know we just haven't had that big Chris Richards transfer to Bayern Munich or whoever. Yeah, right. Uh, well, um, you could
2: have had Taylor Booth, and we still can. You still can. You he's can't playing well. Him. He's playing well, by the way. No, he's
0: playing very well. But and that's the good thing is like we do have the MLS rights to Booth and Ledesma and Soto. Soto, I think, has gotten um he has been banged up, hasn't he? He's been banged up. He's he's taken some bad advice from his agent. He's played for a lot of clubs yeah, in a short period of time. Around. He's
2: kind of doing what uh Rubio was doing yeah. for a minute. Yeah.
0: There. But it's like if you bring Soto back to RSL now, Rubio's an interesting. Who's he gonna play? One. He's gonna play for the monarchs and then you're gonna say, Well, we want Axel to have those minutes so that he's ready for the first team. You know, and that's that's one of the considerations that uh, is often ignored, I guess I should say. So who knows? And that's the thing. Like, we could we could sell – we could bring Taylor Booth back. We could buy him. We could do whatever you needed to do if he wanted to come back home. He will at some point. Exactly. I don't think
2: right now is the time. I also think – and and it's not, a, it's not as simple as saying, oh, go out and buy a $5 million striker and break the club record because that sounds like a good idea. Even though it does sound like a good idea, part of it is to – uh, timing. Yeah. I, I think you're in. A, I think the club right now is in a window where you can compete realistically for silverware. Mm-hmm. W- the way the roster's set up and the players that are on it, I, I I truly truly believe you are like a marquee striker away and a six.
0: Okay. I think but If the, you bring in a six, and where do you put Ojeda? You play him at the eight. Because I think he is an so eight. I think that's who a, he is. Playing with a six an eight and a ten. Is something I don't know that we did much of this year. Well, because Demel was injured, <laughs> but
2: you will next year play a lot of six. So eight eight you're ten.
0: you're basically <laughs> suggesting that we take the tactical flexibility that we implemented this year with a back three and a back four, and add a third. Almost is it a diamond? Is no. it a more traditional four four two with a six and a ten? I I want it to be... This is all the stuff Craig Weibel used to call tactical semantics, and I love it.
2: I want it to be a 4-3-3. Okay. Four across the back. You have a 6 playing centrally in the 3 midfield, an 8 playing right in front, and then a 10 is obviously far more aggressive. Okay. So a lot of work comes down to the 6 and the 8 trying to dictate some midfield. But if they can accomplish that, then you go into the attacking third and you've got a 10... Playing behind a nine with two wingers, Savarino, and we haven't even spoken about Anderson Julio, but I don't even know where you play Anderson Julio because yeah. you asked. I asked him at the end of the year. I said, "Where do you feel like you're best suited?" He said, "Centrally." I go, "What? Mm. Okay, yeah." It's like, well, that kind of throws a wrench in it all. Mm. He Yeah, the nu- the numbers on Anderson Julio don't kind of match at the minute, so that's an well, he, issue. He was that so also... banged
0: up and. He was kind of a lost soul, not having really played yeah, in those even months. when he was on loan, Trey, he didn't have it. He came off the bench. Yeah. You know, it's like Scored he's Scored yet... a worldie against the Galaxy here.
2: Yes, he did. But he's yet to prove that he he can start games and, and start a lot of them yeah, that's fair. consistently. And that, for the money you're paying, probably an issue in
0: the off, for the offseason. Do you believe... Where do you think the club's at off the field? Like, do you think we can sell out all... 17, 18 games again next year?
2: For sure.
0: I think the club's as good off the field as it's been in a decade. Does League's Cup mean anything to you with those CONCACAF spots on the line? It does. But that. So what. (sighs) Does playing Chivas or Club America or Monterey or Cruz Azul, like, do any of those things get you excited?
2: Yeah. Because the club's got to find a way to get back Because you weren't in.
0: excited about Atlas, but it was probably just because it was a meaningless well, competition was, and seven guys were gone on international duty.
2: I was also on a golf trip in Phoenix. Yeah, see? Yeah,
0: you you, you should have canceled. No,
2: go <laughs> Cancel a golf trip Atlas in Phoenix. Atlas
0: was the bicampeon. For an f-
2: exhibition game? Come on, Trey. Um, um.
0: You didn't invite me to Phoenix. I I, was well, it to wasn't for
2: there. me to invite, <laughs> sadly. But I... I think the club ultimately needs to figure out a way to get back into the Champions League. Yeah, because I've never experienced a game at America First Field where Champions League football is played, and all anybody Pretty talks special. about is how special it is. and And I'm like, okay, then find a let's find a way to get the so club you back need into to that.
0: talk to Pablo and say take the Open Cup seriously because I'm not you gonna only be have to win him. five or six Open Cup games. I know, but then you to get into Concacaf, but then you kind of you
2: jeopardize you do the regular season and
0: he's he's stuck between a rock and a hard and I'm place and being a little bit of a straw man here cuz i don't think pablo and his staff didn't take northern colorado seriously because you did have david achoa, justin glad and like four or five other starters like right up the middle but you should have also been before. able
2: to beat northern colorado Absolutely. Hailstorm storm with a very weakened starting eleven. That's probably fair. Oh, come on, that they—they're they, not even a USL team. They're a league no, one side. Lead Trey, one. it was their fourth
0: competitive game ever. I, it, ever,
2: they had one shot, and it was a nice strike. One by the way, shot. David Ochoa couldn't even save it. But anyway, it's and that was an awkward time too because the New York City game was like it was three or four
0: days before, yep. and that was six nil drumming. It was just. And then we went up and got the zero zero in Portland when Pablo Ruiz's dad died. And, and then it he was, hit yeah. the
2: post. Yeah, but it, oh yeah, he hit the post like six yards out. But and then it was like two weeks after where you flipped the whole thing on its head and started playing really well again. Yeah. And that's what I'm. That's what going back to the ebbs and flows. That is the ebbs and flows of a season. You just can't let the lows get one that low and two as long as they did later in the year. So if you had one word to describe
0: twenty twenty two Real Salt Lake, what would it be?
2: Painful. Painful. Yeah, it was painful for me.
0: Wow, I thought you were going to say like resilient. No, heavens know they weren't resilient.
2: What are they talking about? They nearly missed the playoffs. It's far from resilient.
0: Yeah, but three points from where they were either get you a home game or get you eleventh in the West. I shouldn't say they weren't. That's resilient. how tightly packed.
2: No, no, they, they 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 should resiliency. That that was wrong with me. It was painful because they set the expectation so high mm, with that start. And I didn't, I didn't expect. But then Bobby Wood gets hurt. Oh, weird, dude. But he would always get hurt. Okay, that's why he's not on the roster anymore. To be fair, if he if he but, didn't get hurt, he'd uh, still be on the team probably.
0: The way we played with him up top, For leading, sure. the, leading the press. Him and Sergio, it, it took, was a notable difference.
2: It took him a while to get going. Once they started to figure it out, they were pretty prolific up top. So his injury played a role. Demir obviously going down after five games or whatever was a big deal. So I wasn't expecting them to stay at number two in the West, right. but I was expecting them to comfortably qualify for the postseason, uh, yeah, and they didn't
0: and have a home game.
2: Have a home game. Um, That's the goal next uh, year. Forget about CONCACAF. You, you got were, to find a way to get a home. pretty,
0: pretty game. impressed at the blunt honesty that Herrera, Glad, Holt, Silva maybe, some of the other guys had in terms of not delivering on those expectations to at least have a home playoff game, huh?
2: Yeah, well, yeah, I don't think that, well, that's, uh, that's weird. so I
0: wasn't in the room, uh, that first day of exit interviews, but what was it like when you're sitting in there hearing Aaron and others kind of lament that, you know, once again, we are the Cinderella and it's a great story, but we want the expectations to well, be excellent.
2: I think I understood the frustration. Yeah. Um
0: because again they
2: were they were near the top of the conference they were poised to host a playoff game for the first time in 3 2019 years 2019
0: was the last home playoff game For 3 San years yeah in that
2: one so you know it's been a couple of years and it's not that difficult of a task yeah um you know you're not reaching for the stars right you're not saying we're going to win the cup and qualify for CONCACAF and then go on and go on and right it's like we, no
0: just just host a playoff game make the playoffs and then host a playoff game when we were up two nothing in Austin in fifteen minutes, did you think we were going to win the cup?
2: I did. I was sitting in the press box alongside uh, Caleb. Yep. We were just kind of hanging out in there. They were cheering in Austin's press box. Yeah. Trey. I want you to. I will file something I will to, the yeah. to the league. Yeah, no, it really offended me, and uh, <laughs> not on, it's the not last protocol. Of the old
0: school journalist, Tom Hackett. Uh,
2: I I joke, Um, I wish we could celebrate more in ours, to be fair. Because it's a stupid, not to go off subject here, but- I'll take donations. I think it's the stupidest thing to be like, um, I, Tom Hackett, who cover Real Salt Lake for a living, don't want the club, doesn't want the club to succeed. I, I need to pretend like I don't care. Well, hold on a second, like, I pretend my livelihood, to some extent, relies on the club being half decent. If the club sucks, nobody cares about the product. Therefore, nobody reads my stuff. Therefore, I don't get paid. Like, of course I want them to bloody care. You're
0: talking to the 130 people that work for the club. Everybody's job is a lot funner and a lot easier if the team is doing well.
2: It's also a lot more secure. Maybe most importantly. You know, so here, I just, I've never understood why you, oh, to sit in a press box, no, 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 you better be bloody as square as it gets, you know. Like, well, no, that doesn't make sense. I want the club to do well because... I want people to read my stuff, so and wanna, I want to make more you money. You want
0: to pick and choose which journalistic standards are to be adhered.
2: I just, don't, I just, I appreciated Austin because they cheered, and I was like, "Oh, this is refreshing." Oh, I thought you were complaining about. I lecture. was at first; it was sarcasm. <laughs> anyway, I can't um, remember what else to, what I was talking about, but I went off subject.
0: We're talking about home playoff games, so we'll catch up with you again in the preseason in yeah. January. Where will you guys be, San Diego? So, Uh, players report to Utah no later than January 6th. I would expect most of them get here first or second. They do a week of kind of sessions on their own. We'll do physicals. We'll do some media stuff, uh, 7th and 8th. Uh, We'll have a week in Harriman. Then I think we're in San Diego or Southern California somewhere um, in mid-January for a week. Then we're back in Harriman for a couple weeks. And then we'll spend, I think, 10 to 14 days in February in Phoenix and Tucson. And then we'll come back to Salt Lake February 18th-ish and get ready for what we think will be opening day on the road on February 25th. No idea yet when the home opener is going to be. I guess there's... There's some possibility we spend a couple weeks on the road. There may be a possibility we spend five or six weeks Why? on the road because we just put in a new pitch here mm. at America First Field. So are going to have the sound
2: system fixed by next year.
0: I believe that is in the works. New sound, new lights. I don't know oh, the install got, dates. Are you going uh, LED standing, lights? We are going LED.
2: Look at you, all yeah. grown-up.
0: Yep. So, again, the, the fan experience um, has been... Uh, critical for the Blitzer Smith group to enhance. And, you know, with the world being what it is and supply chain, some of those things that we had hoped to get done last summer won't be done until uh, this spring. But uh, progress. Always. That's good progress. Yeah. It's needed uh, progress. Should be
2: fun. Fill the um, cracks. Well, we'll catch up in January, yeah, wherever thank you may you. be.
0: Good luck to uh, the Aussies in the World Cup. The Socceroos. The Socceroos. Thank go. you. We, uh, I knew there was a
2: term. Yeah, the ruse. We're, uh, we're not getting out of the group, sadly. Who's, well, in, the, who's in the group? Uh, France. Okay. Loss. Denmark. Mm. That's the big game. If we can find a way to to, to draw Denmark and okay. then beat Tunisia, we're actually a chance, but we're not going to draw Denmark. It's we'll funny.
0: I, I need to look at the groups again. It's been a little bit. Is the U.S. getting out of their group? <sighs> I So, like, U.S., Wales, England, Iran is a difficult group. Costa Rica, Spain, Japan, and... Germany? I think it is Germany, right? But that's, like, the group of death. Well, but it's not. Like, but there is actually a group that's tougher than that. No? Yes. I don't remember. Um, I don't even remember who's in Mexico's group. I'm just at the point now where, like, every group looks like it could be a group of death.
2: Yeah, because there's not one that stands out. Yeah. Which is also why I'm kind of intrigued to see how this all plays but out. But again,
0: like, the last couple of years, you know, with COVID and, you know, competitions, more, like, you just kind of don't have a, as firm a grasp on who's really legit. Like, we talked to Demir the other day, and he's talking about Croatia going all the way to the final.
2: What's he talking about? They did it once. I mean, they're a little. Like, yeah, now they're, they're all of a sudden a little they're going to do it every
0: time. Yeah. Come on. I don't know, man. Like it's going to be fun. I'm excited to. He's going to be in Croatia for it, though, isn't he? He is. Oh, I'm jealous. Yeah, I'm excited to kind of watch the games, the first half of every day for the next month while I'm visiting family and traveling all over the Southwest.
2: Good shit. Yeah. I'm excited for you. Lobo, but you go taking? USA.
0: Yeah, of course, Lobos. Lobos always by my side. You want to hear something sad? What I've had dog issues lately. Ugh. So you it, did tell me. I'm sorry, man.
2: No, the, no. There's a so last night. Uh,
0: oh, new dog. New issues. dog issue. I'm saying like there's more dogs. Your issues. young dogs.
2: Yeah, we have so a boy and a girl boxer. They're like eight months old. Guess what happened last night? The boy dog broke its leg. How? Running around, stepped in a hole accidentally because they fly around the backyard and there's a part of the backyard that's like got some mud and stuff. How do you know he broke his leg?
0: Oh, dude. I mean, he comes limping in.
2: You can see it from a mile away. I was like... Oh, he broke both bones in his leg. Uh, it was
0: broken, broken. That's awful. I'm sorry, man. That's all right. I know you've had a had a rough uh fall. Dogs are the best, but Dogs, they can be hard. Yeah. Broken I mean, legs so aren't Lobo, cool. Lobo didn't break a bone, but he did tear his ACL kind of in a similar situation, running around my cousin's yard uh, five or six years ago. Now he's got a partially torn left ACL which i'm just letting the natural arthritis kind of stabilize but yeah he's you know when he when he pushes it too hard he just shakes uncontrollably and i feel bad yeah but, that's but bad. a five thousand dollar surgery is for a 12 year old dog is probably not a great as is about that price especially he's not in pain like I he lets me grab his knee and manipulate his leg and he doesn't so that's comforting in a way because i feel like I'm Doing him a disservice by not getting the surgery, mm-hmm. but anyway,
2: anyway, I hope you're boxers. Thank you in the south. Uh, Southwest. Yeah, he's
0: a good. He's a good traveler. He loves those long car rides. Stares out the window Here and, to St. George to Albuquerque to Houston. Oh wow! And back might come back through like El Paso and Tucson and Phoenix just to have some warm sun, golf filled. You going with that? Yep. With my roommate is coming. <laughs> Just kidding, my you lovely girlfriend. Not
2: say that. Try. I was uh, gonna say go play golf. I'm gonna
0: know. I'm gonna leave this in. I'm gonna have Ryan leave this in. We'll know how deep into the, the podcast he listens. <laughs> yeah, you, this may be the last podcast episode you ever do. <laughs> anyway, Tom, thanks for spending so much time with us. Um Really fun, kind of looking back and simultaneously looking ahead as uh, as 2023. I think will be an exciting year here uh, in in Utah for the whole soccer landscape, but specifically RSL, and and uh, looking forward to seeing you uh, at the games next yeah
2: year. no Thank you for having me. Much love to you, bud. Happy right.
0: holidays. Happy holidays. Enjoy the World Cup. You as well. Alright, everybody. Thanks for hanging out with us this offseason. Another great show here today. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, let us know what you think on the socials on Twitter and Instagram, at Cobalt, You can also go to anchor.fm slash Claret and Cobalt. You can reach out to us uh, via email, r-s-l-t-r-e-y at gmail.com. Hopefully we have some other personalities coming up uh, ahead of the Christmas break. And then coming out of uh, of Christmas and New Year's, uh, preseason starts January 6th. Fitness testing, physicals, all that fun stuff. The team's in town for about a week. Then we go to uh, Southern California for part of January back in Harriman, and then uh, a lot of February down in Arizona ahead of a February 25th uh, season opener, season number 19 for Real Salt Lake coming up in 2023. We'll have the home opener uh, schedule announcement and the full schedule announcement Coming out hopefully here pretty soon in December. Enjoy watching the World Cup. Everybody, please download, rate, share, and subscribe your favorite RSL podcast, Bleeding, Claire, and Cobalt, brought to you by the Adam Sessions and One Wire Fan.